Hi everyone, thank you so much for tuning back into the Mummy Means Business podcast. Um, today I'm really excited to have um, another guest with me. Um, my guest today, her name is Melita. She is married, she's a mother of three beautiful children and she's also a maths teacher and consultant um, and I'm really excited to have her on board. Um, Melita and I have recently got gotten closer. Um, she's just like she's just so easy to talk to and she just has so much wisdom on children and like how um how she motherhood in general and just kind of she she's able to share really great tips on things that you know she's overcome in motherhood so I thought she'll be a perfect person to interview um so yeah thank you so much Belita for joining us today Thank you, Victoria. I think you're being too kind. <laughs> no, I'm not being too. I feel like I should say more, but um, I can't think of things. No, 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 I'm saying more. Um, so, yeah, so Melita has three beautiful children. She has a boy and two girls, and her girls are absolute characters. They are just the funniest kids. Um, but for you, how has motherhood been for you? Like, um, how has the journey of motherhood been um, for you? And would you say that you're the mother that you thought you would be? Um, I'll say my motherhood journey. Well, I wouldn't say I was going to be a mother. <laughs> I never wanted to be a mother. Um, reason being, um, my mother was so amazing that um, I didn't think I'd be able to live up to her expectations of a mother. So I felt that there was no way I could do what she what she did for us. And she was a single mother. So for me, it was like, what's the point in bringing kids in the world if you can't give them the best opportunity they have in life? And my mum has always raised us to, you have to do better than what she did. So the generation, the next generation has to be better than the generation before. But I didn't believe I could be a better generation than the generation before. So for me, motherhood was not necessarily something that I aspired or even getting married. It wasn't never in my cards of, it, it never it never enticed me in any way. But I had Gabriel, he was a surprise. So that was a roller coaster. Um, <laughs> I had him in my final year of university. Uh, my mother did say that you have to go back to university, like you have to go. So I had him, let's say on a Monday, and I had to go back for my final week examination the Monday after so but I had a lot of support and help with my mum my aunties my uncles my brothers so for me motherhood with Gabriel was quite cushiony because I never got to really and change his nappy as much or do really it that much with him it was more I was just his feeding machine so they so you had, you had loads of help like loads of family yeah, were just really hands-on yeah, everyone was so hands-on and I, I already had said that I don't think I'm comfortable enough to be able to look after him. So my mum was like, okay, it's fine. All you need to do is just feed him. <laughs> so, so were you nervous? Like when you're pregnant and you know, oh, like in, in a few months or a few weeks, I'm going to have this baby and it's going to be my responsibility. I was petrified, but I was lucky to have family who was like, it's not your responsibility, it's everyone's responsibility. So my mum and dad's, even though they don't live together, but they will always remind me, no, it's everyone's child. Gabriel will be everyone's child. 
his family, um, Gable's dad's family, also were like, he's going to be our child. Like, you don't have to do anything. I never bought nappies for Gabriel. Never bought works for Gabriel. Like, even all of his stuff, like, even though I bought stuff because I just like shopping, but most stuff was always, he had everything. And it wasn't out of my pocket. So you, were you not naturally like a maternal person? Because even me, I'm not naturally maternal. And do you know what? I thought I would be. I thought I was naturally maternal, but I feel like my husband's a lot more maternal than I am. And he, he even said that he's that um, I surprised him that after I had um, Xavier, how like hands-on how I have been because before when I was pregnant I just I just thought not that I won't bond with him but like I wouldn't it won't come naturally for me to oh if he's hot let me check his temperature or oh yeah let me just do this or let's go to baby groups and all that stuff like I didn't think it would come naturally to me it didn't it really didn't come naturally to me like literally it really didn't like uh it it, it got to a point that Gabriel called my mum mum and I was Melita because everyone else used to call me Melita and he called my mum mum because I was at uni doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. So I was not that much around as a mother. I was more there just to feed him. He'll see a glimpse of me and then I'll be upstairs studying. So I'd only come down to feed him. And that was about it. But did that change when you had your um when you had your second and your third, did that kind of like maternal instinct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, did, it did change. And like um, with Gabriel, he was he was a child that was everyone's child. He wasn't, I wouldn't say he was solely my child. He mm. would, if you was to ask him, he would say he has many mothers and many fathers. That's beautiful. That's what I mean, so for him, he knew that even if mummy wasn't around, my mum will be there. Like, his, his grandma will be there, his aunties will be there, his uncles will be there. So he never, like, even though I wasn't there, my brothers will take him to the park. So he never missed out on anything. So, like, they would have different people take him, if you see what I mean. One mm-hmm. of my brothers would take him McDonald's once a week. My other brother would take him to the park every single day, play football with him, teach him how to ride a bike. Like, they will even take him to nursery. So one will take them to nursery and the other one will pick him up. One will take him to nursery, the other one will pick him up. So, essentially, it was like he had many parents and he has respect for many parents. Which which is great because I think sometimes when you don't have, when you kind of consume yourself with motherhood or you don't, especially when you have a child younger and you feel like it took over your life or your life stopped, sometimes there's like that resentment, like, oh, I wish, you know, I wish I went on a girl's trip or, you know, I wish I just like was spontaneous and just chilled and it's good that you kind of had that balance because of the support of your family but now now that you're you know you have three kids and you were working as a um, as a math teacher um and you're working like you know quite you know you were quite high up as well in your school um did you ever feel like guilty when you were when you were to go to work or leave your kid or did you just know that they were they were okay and it was safe hands um well I think I'd start with, like, motherhood actually hit, like, when I had Naziah, which is the second born. Um, there's a five-year gap between Gabriel and Naziah. So Gabriel had started school, and that's when I, you know, when you really, I didn't even know 
I had forgotten everything with Gabriel because I didn't do as much. So going back to work, I went back to work with Nazaya when she was like a year. So I had her home for a year. And then when I went back, she was still with my mum. <laughs> so she, I didn't necessarily feel the guilt because my mum raised Gabriel. Yeah. Is now raising Nazaya. So, and Ibrahim, my husband, also took two days out of work to have her. So he had her for two days during the week. And then I went to work. On the three days I went to work, no, the fi- I went to work five days a week. He took, he, t- he did part time. He had three days work and two days to look after Nazaya. And then the three days my mum had him, had her. So with that, made, um, me feel more what's the word more comfortable with going to work but so it's Nazaya had an eczema so she was very very what's the word irritable in crying sleeping the sleepless nights with her was just mayhem so that's when I felt guilty because I was thinking maybe if I was at more at home and I didn't have to wake her up at six to get her ready to go to my mum's house and next one said maybe she won't be so irritable during the night or frustrated with her skin and maybe I can take care of her skin better. That's where the mother guilt probably would have came in. No, but it's interesting how, you know, in your family, it was flipped where, you know, the dad was the one who kind of took the time off and stayed at home and then you kind of worked full time and you had help with your mum because you, you, you rarely hear that. Like you only hear of the other way, um, of the mum kind of, going part-time and then the dad going to work um full-time so it still gives him an opportunity to bond with um with Nazaya um and then you 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 still went to work and you still had that help which is great no yeah it is great and I think for Ibrahim was more of a it was more of a a course it was for himself I think for him he just wanted to be the best dad he could be if it's what I mean, With yeah. At age, at the age he was, not at a younger age, at an older age, like a bit, like a matured age. So for him, looking after Nazaya was he's. I like even me. I had Nazaya. He stayed at home. He he did a night shift with Nazaya all by himself for one night. I left the house. I went to my father's house and stayed at my father's house, and he had her all night. But there was milk pumped for him, ready in X Y Z. But for him, it made him realise how mothers don't just stay at home. So if that you they come really home, do stuff, yeah. The, food, the food's not cooked, the house is not cleaned, the next one's dead. It kind of, for him, opened up his eyes to, oh my gosh, I don't have time to even bar. So for him, when I came home from work, he'd be like, no, Malita, it's your baby. Take the baby. I've done. I'm done. I'm done. It's my turn now. <laughs> so for him, so now when I had um, Ariana Rose and I said to him, I'm done, there was no argument. <laughs> it was like, yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah. He knew already for him that, yeah, as, as, as hard as it was at work, the job is not as hard as the work, the job that you do at home. Raising the child, going to work for me is much easier than actually raising a child. <laughs> so, but... um. 
what what made you want to go into teaching specifically, especially specialising in in maths? Because maths is a subject that, you know, I know everyone has struggled with at some point in their life, but it just comes easily to you. So why, so why teaching? Well, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I did a master's to work for the United Nations and that was the career path. But then um, I got married. So the initial pathway was not to be a teacher. It's only because when I got married, it meant that we would have to be traveling all over the world and it would be difficult now to raise a family in different countries, if you see what I mean. So um, I thought, okay, what else could I do? And like there was a load of jobs for teaching. They want teachers all the time. And I thought, okay, maths is easy. So might as well teach maths. So obviously I changed, I went and did a PGCE to become a maths teacher. And I do like teaching. and I do like um, impacting other people's lives as well. So for me, teaching became the craft, which made me feel that I'm giving back to the world, to society, rather than working for the United Nations as well would have been given back to society. But I found a job where I can give back to society without having to feel the guilt of just getting an education and just doing whatever you want yeah want to give back to those that have given to you so for me teaching was and even now as much as um as much as I've done it for probably six to seven years now I still love to enter a room and just inspire kids no matter what level or ability they are because essentially everyone has this negative view about maths and it's breaking that it's breaking that um breaking that stigma that even though you're not very good at it we can um encourage and build confidence so that you are able to just do the basics and sometimes it's just the basics that can get you through to the next level whereas everyone's so feared they have this fear about, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it, so I'm not good at it, so they just don't try. It's weird because some of the best teachers um, that I know of are maths teachers. Like, some of my favourite teachers are maths teachers because of exactly what you said. Like, you're, you're taking something that is so complicated, so hard, and you're really simplifying it. And just watching, you know, like me, myself, I love maths um, coming from a Nigerian background, most anyone who was born in Nigeria, born in Africa in general, they teach maths at such an accelerated rate that when you come to this country and you see them still learning decimal point, you're just like, come on, I'm on algebra right now. Um, so yeah, so just like watch, just seeing like a, just seeing something that's really hard and having a teacher really sit down with you and spend time to simplify it. It just makes them like, makes the student just love you even more, which some of my favorite teachers are my maths teachers. Yeah, definitely. true. And it is true because you have, I have, I've encountered kids where they hate me and I don't care. And they're like, <laughs> which? And they're like, how can you even have children? They'll say things like, oh, I feel sorry for your kids because you're too strict. And then, like, two years later, when they're doing the exams, year 11 exams, they're like, Mrs. Jagger, I don't know how I'll do it without you. And it's only, it's only because sometimes you have to be cool to be kind. You can't always give them what they want. They have to feel life. Life is not going to be easy. 
and sometimes you have to push through even though it feels uncomfortable yeah which is which is really true but did you do you think that you kind of went part-time because of the work-life balance because obviously as a teacher um, I've heard that you know it's really hard to um, spend time with your kids because you're just out all day teaching and when you come home you're busy working on homework and you don't really get that quality time with your child so is that why you decided to step down for me essentially I, I um, came to some kind of realization that um, your career will always be there I'm only what 29 the kids Gabriel when we're 40 Gabriel will be 20 Zaya will be 15 Irina Rose will be 13 what am I going to do then so for me taking part-time was that was the reason let me spend more time with my own while I can until they now grow up and disperse into their own lives and live their own lives so doing it now going on part-time even though it's not easy because you still have work to do and you still have to you still have to be organized and you still have to x y and z but at the same time, it allows you to be able to be more flexible in how you use your time. And I, I still plan lessons. I'll still come Sunday, I'm planning lessons or marking this and marking that. But I do believe now, working part-time, I don't do it in their time. I do it in my time. But was that an easy decision to make, like just going part-time? Because obviously you know maths is a passion for you know teaching and educating young people you say is a passion was that quite an easy decision like my kids are just you know they're first so not working as much is just you know is important um it's not easy decision being a teacher because at the same time there's kids out there that need you that need you because sometimes they you are their mother and you are their father they go home and there's they go home to an empty house I'll do it. I'll do it. They go home. Sorry. Um. Sometimes kids will have you're their mothers and you're their fathers, and they have no one to build that confidence with, and no one to um to court them, no one to tell them that you are good, and you will do well, and you will be successful. They they sometimes come home and there's no one at home, and that's because like their parents are working around the clock, and. Some of their parents could be lawyers and could be like all these big jobs, but the kid gets lost into the system. Is that not too much pressure on you, though, to feel like the weight, obviously the weight of, you know, the kids are on you, almost like you you have the key to make or break their future. Is that not, is that, does that not, is that not too much pressure? But it, that's what I'm saying. That's why I had to step down from ahead of mass because that was the pressure I couldn't deal with because being a head of maths, now you have to deal with staff who are not, they don't have the same passion as you. For them, it's just a walk-in job. They come in and go out. But there's no passion, there's no drive, there's no enthusiasm, there's no energy, there's no encouragement, there's no love, there's no care. So the frustration I had was trying to get kids over the hurdle but have people that are not willing to step, to go that further with you. So for me, I said to myself, stepping down and just now being more of a mass consultant doesn't require me now to have to deal with teachers who don't read. It's more to do with seeing how you can help the school to progress as a whole rather than 
now dealing, managing people who are not doing what they're supposed to do. So it is a big, it's a big job. And for me, being a teacher, just a te- like I am also just a teacher. So the 30 kids that are gifted or given to me or blessed to be given to me, like it's a blessing to have them. So for me, those 30 kids, I can work around the clock for them without having to take too much time out of my own children's time because I only deal with 30 kids. But when you have to deal with 160 kids as a head of maths, plus obviously year 7, 8, 9, 10 and 11, plus year 12 and 13, you're dealing with almost 2,000 kids. Oh, my gosh. You see what I mean? Yeah. Dealing with 30 kids and dealing with 2,000 kids is a very big jump. So I had to step... For me, personally, I didn't want to embark myself on 2,000 kids. I'd rather deal with 30 kids than deal with 2,000 of them. And um, obviously you mentioned earlier that the age gap between your first and your second is five years and between, you know, your second and your third is closer. And I remember you said this to me because when I had Xavier, Malia came over to my house to see Xavier and I said, you know what, I want two kids back to back. Like, that's literally the plan. I don't want to restart my life and then having to get pregnant and then like go back. It's not go back, but like, go back basically um to just doing all the night the night feeds and the night changes and stuff like that and I remember you said to me okay if you want to do it Victoria honestly if you want to do it then you're the first you need to have the first child needs to be on such a needs to be so disciplined that the second one will just follow suit and it'll be easier like okay can you please explain how you did it because you have two that are like really really close in age and it doesn't even seem to phase you like how did you manage to kind of handle that 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 big task almost of raising two young kids so essentially um I won't classify Gabriel as one of the kids because Gabriel's an adult in the house yeah (laughs) um I also had Gabriel's help as well so Naziah now she's obviously she's the child that's second born so for her it was essential for her to be able to walk, to be able to feed herself, to be able to dress herself up, to be able to um, do things that most kids her age weren't able to do. So when her sister was born, she was one and a half, but her job was to get the nappy and put nappies in the bin. Her job was to watch over baby while mummy's gone in the bath and not make sure baby's crying. Her job was to lay on the carpet when baby's on her, like on the mat the gymnasium, the baby gymnasium, to lay with the baby and play with the baby, show the baby. Do you see what I mean? So it was more essential showing her that she's the oldest and she now has a responsibility. Was she not jealous at all? Like, obviously, she was the baby, like, not long ago, and now you're bringing a baby into the house. Like, was there not any jealousy that you had to overcome? She used to bite her sister. (laughs) What, secretly, when you're not watching? When we're not watching, she'll bite her, and then Ariana Rose will scream all of a sudden, and we didn't know why. And my mum was like, "She's biting her, like oh. she's biting her." So um, when the baby was first born, because I had an emergency C-section, my mum took Nazaya because she showed Nazaya the baby, but she didn't want Nazaya to feel the impact of, "Oh yeah, someone else is taking her spot." So my mum had her for like a month. But we would go over and see her and then she'll come over and then daddy will drop her like at my mum's house. And that's only because for her to slowly settle in with the baby, if you see what I mean. 
And then she finally understood, okay, there's a baby and we have to help with the baby. She did bite her sister for like another week, but I bit her back. I bit her. I don't know if that's allowed, but I bit her and told her that's the pain your little sister's feeling. She's like, really? I was like, yeah. It's like, okay. And she never did it again. But sometimes with kids, she thought, I think she wanted to see, what does this child do? I don't think, I don't even think she did it out. I don't know. But it seemed to me as if she wanted to see if the baby's going to move or the baby's going to, like, I don't know. She she wanted to, like, play with the baby, basically, and just, like, get a reaction from... baby or see what kind of reaction the baby's going to have. <laughs> do you think do you think it's because obviously nana she had to kind of grow up really quickly because you had another baby so you do you feel like you were maybe more sh- stricter and not stricter but you had to just be like give her responsibility from early whereas you know the the baby i, I wouldn't say just, she's just like me she's like me a rebel yeah she's just like me uh, that's the only she has your personality she's she just has like... my personality we don't we don't we don't we're not very soft at heart we're very like if someone for example, I've seen Nana like stand up for herself with other kids. Kids like seven, eight, who'll be like, You're not playing. And she'll be like, Yes, I am playing. Who are you to tell me I'm not playing? Yes, Nana. Like, so they have that kind of boisterous kind of character where no one can tell them what to do. That's do you know what? That's that's good because you know your kids. You definitely know your kids. Um but yeah, so one more question before we kind of come to the end of the podcast. Um, it's really interesting you saying at the beginning that, you, you know, even though you love teaching, you were the um, you were in a high senior position when you were at school. Um, you knew that you wanted to really spend more time with your children, which is why you decided to step down. But if you were to give that same advice to somebody, maybe a mum who's also a teacher or, you know, a mum who's also in um, a full-time work and maybe in a senior position, a high position, um, and they have kids, but they don't really, you know, they're not, they're in the same position. They're not spending as much time with their kids as they want to. Like, what advice would you give to that person um, on whether they should step down or not? So it depends. It's a heartfelt thing. Like, um, you have people that, for them... They don't see the importance of it. They still think their career is important. So it depends on who's asking. If it's someone that is, if it's someone that is really, 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 um, is pressing on their heart, that maybe they're taking their career more importantly than their children. It doesn't even matter if it's teaching, whatever career it is. Then for them, my advice is them is, you don't want your children, especially as teachers, you don't want to be your children to turn out of some of the kids that you teach. And that's what that's what I always remind myself of is I don't want my child to think, oh, mum spent more time with other kids than she did with us. So why does she have us? If she's only gonna do you see what I mean? Like I don't want any of my kids to ever say to me, Oh mum, why did you spend more time with them? Yeah. You see what I mean? And I always yeah. my kids I, I always take them to to my school sometimes, get them to see what I do. So, like, in the holidays, I'll go in to work and we, we will all work together in the school. Like, do you see what I mean? And get them to familiarise in mummy's job is not just about us. It's about other kids that don't have math teachers or don't have... Do you see what I mean? And the kids that I actually teach, especially in interventions, when they have half-term exam holidays, when they see my kids, they will ask them, oh, like, how do you do this? Just to test my son's knowledge, because he's really, he's really, he's a good mathematician. So they will test his knowledge and be like, 
whoa, he can do it. If I can, do, if he can do it, then I definitely can do it. Do you see what I mean? It's all that balance that sometimes the youngest of people can teach you. Like Gabriel yeah. teach me ways of how to do maths in different ways. So I do believe it's the parent or the mother or the father to feel you have to have that in your heart. And some people overlook it and they don't feel pressured by it or they don't feel that that eating away at them. Whereas for me, it was eating away at them, away, away at me, because when my kids are acting up or they're not doing or they're not. So, for example, let's say Gabriel's underachieving. I'll blame myself. What am I doing wrong? That's yeah. What can I do to help him? You see what I mean? Same as Naziah, if a teacher says, oh, like Naziah, Ibrahim's really good with phonics and English and blah, blah. So Naziah is now like, she's really good at reading her phonics. And her teacher was like, what the hell did you do at home? And it's because of Ibrahim. It's not, I, won't, I will never, that's Ibrahim. Ibrahim with phonics, English, anything to do with phonics, English, anything to do with the English in total, that's their dad. He will, he will get the dictionary. You hear them doing the phonics language, the alphabet, doing the phonics and everything downstairs, like the writing, the handwriting and all that stuff. But when it comes to the maths now, for me, I'm just lucky that I can do maths within their play, within everyday things. So for example, if we go to the shop and we buy sweets, it's how many sweets do you want? Oh, I'm taking away two, so how many you got left? So I do it in, on the way to school, we'll count to 10, count to 20, do math sums in the car. Gable used to do his times tables in the car. Do you see what I mean? It's just finding ways of how to implement. For me, maths is easy to implement. And that's why all the kids are very mathematically inclined because it's something we do every day. It's not something that they just do at school. It's in their play. Naziah, Ariana Rose, get me the red brick. Get me the yellow brick. Get me the blue brick. Build them all together. How many bricks do you have? It's just all that. It's all in their play. And with kids, they learn during their play. You see yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And making songs about it and just, yeah, it's all to do with finding ways of how to do. What I can't do is get in English in their play. I find it so hard. Even to correct them sometimes. It's, it's Ibrahim that corrects them. They'll be saying the same, the wrong word, and I'm saying it wrong, and they're saying it wrong, and I'm like, who's the right one and who's the wrong one? Do you see what I mean? Gabe will ask me to spell words. I'm like, Gabe, I don't know. Get the dictionary, and we'll learn how to write the word together. Do you see what I mean? And I'm dyslexic, so for me, it's like, it, some, you know, the way some people are scared of maths. It's how I'm scared of English. Seriously, so, yeah. who would have thought? Yeah, literally. But one thing I do know is public speaking. So public speaking I'm quite good at so I'm able to worm my way out of things because of the way I articulate myself so I teach the kids to articulate themselves in that way so you might not know what you're talking about but you can make sure everyone thinks you know what you're talking about <laughs> do you see what I mean yeah, yeah so yeah. articulate kids to be able to present things all right present it to me present it to me show me here sing for me dance for me all right you count to 20 show me your like test them on the spot like numeracy skills if I did this and did that, what would it make? It's just getting them to think on the spot. So articulating themselves and be able to present things in the big world is what a skill they need to learn. So for me, that is that's much. It's not as much as important as writing skills and X, Y, and Z. But to me, if you're able to articulate yourself, you're able to get far in life. Cool. Wow. Thank you so much. I, f- I feel like it's been like nice 
chat like we've really really delved into like a lot of different things so literally anyone who's listening to it can you know take bits from it and really learn like how to be a mother learn about you know work learn um do you believe one thing is anyone that feels pressured like that listen their children are much more important so sometimes it's a financial sacrifice it could be a timing sacrifice it could be anything but i do honestly believe if you do feel that urge to what's it called listen make it happen just make it happen for your kids sake because you don't want to be your kids to be the statistic. That's what I always uh, say. Amen. They will not be. Do you see what I mean? I'm telling you. <laughs> no, it's true. I, def- I 100% agree. Your kids are your main priority. And, and if you if you even have that thought in your mind, then you know what to do. Like, I think from when, from once you have that thought that, oh, you know what? I need to step down. Because the higher you go up in a company, the more work it is the harder it is time you have and I do believe sometimes another thing is that if your kids are raised well other kids will like to be around them and their parents will like them to be around your children as well you see what I mean so for me I have I am so lucky with the support network like my my kids friends at school their parents will be like oh Malia can Gabriel stay around or can he have a play date with Bing can he like, or Naziah, can she spend more time? Because it's more to do with they want their kids to be influenced in a positive way as well. So for them, they're willing to be like, oh, I pick up Naziah and Gabriel at school. So you create that kind of, if you produce or raise kids of a high standard, you will naturally have people, it's called, what's that word? Um, what's it called? Um, positivity coming to you. Ah, oh, they always say it. it's a theory. Uh, I forgot what it's called. I have no idea. It's called attraction. You naturally get positive attraction coming to you. If you're doing something good, or you're doing something good with your kids, or something to do with you, you naturally get attracted to good things. You naturally get attracted to good things. If you give out good in the world, you receive good. 100%. And that's that's actually a great note. If you give out good in the world, if you give out good in your kids, your kids will that's naturally great. attract your, good. Yeah, 100%. So, your kids have to be an attraction. If your kids, you're sending them out to the real world, they naturally have to attract good back by them giving out good. Yes, definitely. It makes your life so much easier. Because when someone says they want to look after your child, you're not panicking, oh, they're going to do this, they're going to do that, they're going to do this. You know. Whenever they go into someone's house, they're gonna be a blessing to that person. And that's that's all we want really. We just want our kids to be a blessing. But yeah, thank you so much, Melita. It's been so great to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time out as well to have a chat with me. You know, it's been fun. We have these conversations anyway, so it's just good to kind of record it and share. And share, yeah. And if anyone has any questions, just like ask me any questions, I'm happy to help. But listen, I'm not I'm not listen. I'm working progress. Aren't we all? <laughs> As the best mum in the world, trust me, sometimes I feel I'm the worst mum in the world. And you're always going to feel like you're the worst person and you're not doing the best thing that you do. But you know what? You just carry on. <laughs> that's, that's literally all you can do. Just carry on. And to be fair, you're doing the best that you can for your children. And that's all that matters. 
that's all that matters but yeah thank you so much all for listening to this podcast um thank you so much Melita for joining uh yeah so if you would like to listen to this podcast it's available on SoundCloud on Spotify Apple podcast and on Podbean and make sure you tune back in next week we have another special guest talking about all things motherhood work business etc um so yeah so make sure you come back but yeah Thank you so much. See you later.